0: All right, Jen Cooper, the keeper here, ready for the next episode of the Mix Zone Women's Soccer Podcast, sponsored by IcarusFC.com. This is episode number 303. With that number, we'll give a shout out to Japanese international and Chicago Red Stars midfielder Yuki Nagasato. She has played a total of 303 minutes in the NWSL playoffs. Since joining NWSL back in 2017, she assisted Sam Kerr's game winning goal last year, helping Chicago to their first ever NWSL playoff victory. And hey, 303 just happens to be the area code for Denver, which is where the next US Women's National Team camp is going to be. You thought I only had women's soccer nerdy stats? No, I have area code nerdy stats too. Anyway, moving on to chats today first spoke with Tyler Nguyen from Rose City Review about Portland Thorns performance both in the Challenge Cup also in the fall series then caught up with Party Catry she's written for Equalizer also once a metro she mostly covers Sky Blue FC so we talked about the New Jersey club's performance in the fall series as well and in between the two segments have to have a Gen Splainer segment this one is about FIFA international windows what are they and when are they open? Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Two accounts to follow: at Keeper Notes, of course, and at Mix Zone. Always two X's in Mix Zone, and of course, lots of WOSO nerd stuff and more at KeeperNotes.com. Jen Cooper the Keeper here with Tyler Nguyen from Rose City Review, one of their many contributors. And if you're not subscribing to Rose City Review via Patreon, I I would recommend it. Um, It might be surprising to hear that someone who's not a Thorns person is subscribing. But um, I like what you guys produce, Tyler, and and it's always great when you have... um, a blog or, you know, website like that, that is team specific. So you like, you guys can really delve into, um, you know, details, big picture, history, context, where most of the general women's soccer coverage had doesn't always get into that.
1: Well, thanks for subscribing, Jen. I appreciate that. You know, we've, um, (laughs) the the website is kind of new, you know, we launched it at the start of March, but, um, you know, a lot of us have been around the team for a while. Uh, writing for various outlets, and you know, it's it's been interesting to watch the team evolve over the the Parsons era, which is really kind of the duration of of time that I've been around the club. And uh, yeah, I mean, this year is another big evolutionary step in the team's composition and uh, a big transition.
0: Well, and and I like that you use the phrase the Parsons era because this is his fifth year with the club, and when yeah. you think about it, that that's now the majority of the club's existence, right? You had Cindy Parlo-Cone, the first season, Paul Riley, 2014, 2015. It's been all Parsons since the beginning of of 2016. So that's, the Parsons era is, you know, the big part of the Thorns history. But it is also a a big, uh, rebuilding year is not the right name for it. Uh, Maybe retooling, refocusing, um, or as they've talked about, kind of reestablishing the Thorns' identity. Uh, but let's talk about how they dealt with the Challenge Cup and then, you know, moving into the, the fall series. Um, you know, obviously missing some big pieces for the Challenge Cup and then having more injuries along the way where they only were able to play Becky Sauerbrunn for the first game. Uh, Bella Bixby gets injured after having you know an amazing group group stage run you know yeah. and, and we had never gotten get to, get to see her play in, in nwsl before so talk about fall series and what we saw for the thorns
1: well so the challenge cup is, is as you say you know is a real it was a real challenge for the club because of how many pieces were out either not attending or out with injury, or just kind of struggling to get established in uh, in the team and, you know, popping in and out. Uh, some of the newer players, you know, adjusting to NWSL stamina, that kind of stuff. Uh, so we saw, you know, a team go without a single point from the group stage. And then, uh, somehow rallied to knock out North Carolina in the first round and then a, a really decimated team uh, going out to, to Houston. I mean, you know, it, it was a, that was a, a fun game in the end, but uh, without Lindsey Horan on the fields, um, right. it was really, it was very tough for them. And that
0: was a game time decision. I mean, I yeah. think that's what we were told broadcast where they were just they were hoping she'd be able to go. They'd, they'd have to see. And, you know, once we started seeing video from Utah that she was still, you know, kind of in full clothes, not not in shorts. It's like, oh, man, right. because, you know, you, you always want it to be um, full on competition whenever whenever possible. And it was still, I would say, a nail biting semifinal.
1: Oh yeah, it was it was an exciting game. Um, so really, because of all those absences, we got to see some of the depth of the team, and we got to see the team try out a couple of new concepts in this. You know, and you're right to say it's not really a rebuilding year. The core is intact, um, but a lot of pieces around the core were moved on, and a lot of new talent kind of came in. Uh, and the person we got to see a lot of in the in the Challenge Cup. Well, two people in particular, uh, Rocky Rodriguez and Morgan Weaver. Uh, uh, We know about Simone Charlie. You know, she's been around the club for a while and she she takes another step forward every time she hits the field for the team. But uh, yes, seeing these new pieces integrate and and the the way that they ended up playing. Uh, shout out to uh, one of our other Rose City Review contributors, uh, Leo Bodwin, who was the first to to make the prediction that they would play this way. Uh, they came out in a kind of modified diamond, which is really interesting because it allows the team to put two extra midfielders behind Haran and Sinclair. This has been a kind of difficult area for the Thorns to deal with for a while. Uh, you know, they, they really struggled... Um, after losing uh, their uh, French superstar (laughs) uh, quite a while ago. Now, uh, to find the right midfield piece that would make everything kind of work, uh, you know, Andresenia was tried out there for a while. Uh, Celeste Bure got a lot of time out there uh, last year, but um, isn't always right for every situation. So the team, you know, moving to this kind of modified diamond allows them to solve one of their biggest outstanding problems, which has been uh, the, the base of the midfield. And it's so interesting to watch uh, the way that Rodriguez uh, has been playing alongside Angela Salem and Gabby Seiler uh, and Emily Ogle now in the fall series. Uh, adding, adding a whole kind of new dimension to this team that uh, I think potentially signifies a, a really interesting change for the club.
0: Uh, it, it's. It, I don't think we'll really understand the significance of it, probably for another year or so. But I think we can al- already tell uh, how how important it, it, it's going to be. And it, especially starting with that quarterfinal, when they were able to eliminate North Carolina based on not just Britt Eckerstrom's 11 saves, but also that performance of... Rocky Rodriguez combining with Morgan yeah. Weaver like that, right? And even Kristen Westfall was part of that. And like you mentioned, showing the depth where um, you know, Haran had to leave that game early, right? You know, you didn't have Becky Sauerbrunn in the back. Um I love that we've been able to see Angela Salem, who's played every season of the league, She's been know, so good. I'm back. Yeah. And like, you know, we barely saw her last year because of injury. You know, it, it, it's like, it's like, wow, Angela Salem, you know, um, Kelly Hubley, who, you know, one of the many players that Mark Parsons, you know, identified after she didn't get drafted, you know, brings in as a training player. Um, you know and and he's looking at her with the long term development thought you know and and we've seen other players like that uh, as well you know to see those kind of minutes same for Madison pogarsh and she had to step in this past weekend with you know cling out on a on a two yellow card suspension so you know I I think it, it sounds kind of cliche because we have to keep saying it over and over. It's like, you know, these fall series games are a great, great way for teams to develop more players or get other players to get playing time. But in a league like this, where the rosters are already pretty small and the landscape is already so competitive where, you know, I think we sorely need Louisville and, and Angel City FC to fill up their rosters soon, right? Um, oh, yeah. That... the. the, the we are at a point in the history of the league that the players sitting on the bench, the players, you know, 12 through 15, 16, 17, are, you know, players who should be on the field. Where not that long ago, I would say a lot of clubs, they couldn't go past player 12, 13 without experiencing a big drop off. In quality, right? So, so let's talk about you know what you've seen from the Thorns in the fall series. They've played three games. They have their final game this weekend, and uh, at this point, they're the only team that hasn't lost. Um, everyone else has lost at least one game. So, Portland goes into this weekend with they get a win. They've taken the community shield. Um, if, they, if they tie, they still have a chance to, to get it as well. But, but what have you seen from Portland?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's just been a huge, you know, a, a real change from the, the Challenge Cup uh, when they had real difficulties kind of putting together a coherent attack partially just because of personnel, but, you know, also because they're learning to play together. Uh, that extra, those extra couple of weeks of trainings have really showed up and the team has just been on fire offensively. Uh, you know, they're, they're, um, <laughs> their last game against Utah was the only game of the fall series where they didn't score more than one goal. Uh, Christine Sinclair has been on an absolute tear. Uh, Sophia Smith coming in and... in. I have to say, you know, kind of limited minutes as she gets used to cell stamina looking really sharp out there, you know, getting making excellent runs, putting a ton of shots on target in her time on the field really feels like this team is starting to kind of put together what it wants its offense to be. And, uh, you know, they, they've kind of they kind of skated by, I feel like, in the Challenge Cup on on their organization, on their uh, abilities to defend on some excellent goalkeeping. Uh, Adding to that, the attacking element, and I mean, it's just been really exciting to watch.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sophia Smith like comes into the game for her first pro game, and what three minutes later she scored a goal, and and not just any goal, but like wow. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and it's it wasn't even that you know it didn't stop after that game. You know, every time she's on the fields, like you can you can see um, that, that. the sharpness of her runs the the way she's always she's always trying to line up a shot she's always trying to get in position for a shot she's hungry out there and it's it's exciting you know that i haven't seen a thorin striker really play like that um i mean really since alex morgan i have to say like um it's it's a, a really i mean i i can't i can't say enough about uh the way that she's already kind of really jumped on this team and and made an impact
0: oh yeah and you know no surprise of course that you know she's been called up for the upcoming you know domestic camp for the u.s women's national team and and it makes so much sense to you know how we saw at the draft in january I, I mean mark parsons will always go big when it comes to trades for for number one picks but you totally see the value. In, in trading away what he did to get Smith, you know, and Weaver, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think but, it was, again, it was a, not a rebuilding year, but a retooling <laughs> year.
1: I think uh, at the time, I think it was a difficult trade for a lot of Portland fans to accept, just because it wasn't clear what the assets were that were coming back. You know, it seemed like the, right. the, the club was putting up a lot of assets, um, but it's hard, I think, for anybody to say that. The trades that were made have not generated real returns. I mean, you know, you're going through those trades, um, letting Elizabeth Ball go and uh, a lot of assets to Utah—that was tough. But we get Becky Sauerbrunn, and uh, you know, letting uh, letting Sonic go to to Orlando with a. a in return for that number one pick, I mean, that was the return on it. You can start to see that. And I think fans are kind of coming around now to, OK, I can see what yeah. was put together. It's, it's hard because, you know, these are these are players that have been around for a lot of the Parsons era and have defined a lot of kind of the the attitude and the play style of the club. So I mean, you know, it, again, you say it's not a rebuilding, but this has been a significant, you know, change in in how the club yeah. kind of carries itself and the pieces around the core. And um it, it's looking like it, it it's it's working out for them right now.
0: Well, and I think it's interesting to note one that COVID prevented Portland from bringing in a lot of internationals that I'm sure they would have signed, right? Um, it, right it seemed yeah. like the bulk of their internationals you know, moved on in, in the offseason, so we, we know that Portland would have been very proactive about signing big international players, so they couldn't do that. I also think it's really interesting when you look at Challenge Cup to fall series rosters. Um, Portland basically didn't sign anybody, for the fall series only. Everybody that's on their roster right now was on their roster for the Challenge Cup. There are no new additions. You only have uh, Boo Ray on loan and uh, Megan Nally, one of the draft picks, on loan. That's it. And they didn't sign anybody else. So basically, they were banking on, obviously. Um, you know, Haran being able to come back from injury, Smith coming back from injury. You know, but like, hey, let's just focus on this core. Um, you know, they're not in the position of like North Carolina, who had so many players um, opting out or on loan that they had to sign players to fill in, right? So that Portland really can focus on let's just keep doing what we're doing, and we're seeing the progress. I mean, oh yeah, it was hard. It was hard to judge with the first game. They're, they're hosting Utah. Utah has the Sun announcement that their coach has been suspended and Amy LaPelbit is stepping up. And that's, you know, that, that's a lot of internal drama for any team to deal with. So it wasn't a big surprise that, that Utah kind of got blindsided in that first game, right? But to see the next two matches, to me, solidified what, uh, you know, what we're going to see more of from Portland. Um, just a complete game from the club, especially Christine Sinclair, but also Rocky Rodriguez um, in that match against the Reign. I also love that we saw two assists in that one game from Lindsey Horan, both assisting Christine Sinclair goals. And, And Horan has never had an NWSL season with more than two assists all season and here's one game with two assists so I think it's like we're seeing you know the next level of Horan's game um, you know you can throw in whatever age cliches you want to throw in about Christine Sinclair but <laughs> you do have to say it's, it's like it's not uh, for me it's not age but you always do have to look at the mileage on a player let's, let's put it that way you know here's a player who has nearly 300 in- international caps to her name Right? Um, That's a lot of travel. That's a lot of playing. She's played every season of NWCL. She played all three seasons of WPS. You know, she's been as active as you could possibly be. So I think what's really impressive is that it hasn't worn her body down right? she she, For good genes or whatever, you know, it's like she's she's healthy. And even when she's not getting on the score sheet, like we saw with with the the Challenge Cup this summer, you know she's producing, she's contributing, she's holding up the ball. And I can't imagine how important she is in practice, um, you know, for young players like Sophia Smith and Morgan Weaver to get to play alongside her. And I think she and Rocky Rodriguez are going to form a good partnership, too but that's my Christine Sinclair speech. Let, let me let you give a Christine Sinclair speech now.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, there's, there's, I mean, we could talk about Christine Sinclair. I'm <laughs> sure for the whole podcast, if we wanted to, I mean, you know, you the, the cliche is always that, you know, the captain is a, a coach on the field. I mean, she's probably literally the coach on the field, you know, with her experience and the way that she, she kind of directs traffic. Uh, those all those three goals in the game against the rain um i thought they were all they were all just real displays of of patience and technique you know she's she's so strong still physically but at the same time you know the she doesn't have to be first to the ball in order to make a, a huge impact on the play you know that first goal uh excellent work and uh, I'll talk a little bit more about Haran later uh with Haran and and Klingenberg on the sideline to to make a a little action and, and get Haran free and uh Sinclair is arriving you know behind the wave of the defense she just knows where to be and she knows how to put the ball in the back of the net you know that's never gonna go away for her um so I mean I you know I I don't know how how long she can do this, but as long as she can keep doing that, I mean, there's always going to be a place for her on the soccer field. Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) I just think it's funny. Like, you can't not mention her age and then people are like, why do they keep having to talk about her age? It's like, there are not many people, uh, you know, at this age that can produce that, and that stay healthy, right? Yeah, so you look at the yeah. only other person, only other people in her age group that are in the league: Nicole Barnhart, Carly Lloyd. Carly has been struggling with small nagging injuries the last couple of seasons. Barnhart, you know, uh, uh, as well, right? We almost never. When's the last time Sinclair missed a game due to injury?
1: Oh, she's an iron woman. It's incredible. <laughs> I
0: know, I know, it's absolutely I know.
1: incredible. Yeah, I mean, so, and yeah. I a special mention for her third goal, by the way. I mean, you know, she scored the penalty in between these two, but uh, you know, the little flick up after she received the the pass from Haran from her left foot, and then guiding the ball uh, with her right foot past Shirley Cruz, you know, incredibly experienced international uh, midfielder, yeah. completely wrong-footing the rain defense, allowing her to just kind of stroll into the uh, it. Into a one-on-one, uh, just, uh, just amazing little, like little subtle bit of skill. You know, Christine Sinclair is not the the trickiest or fanciest player you'll ever see, but those little moments, you know, you can tell. You know, she's uh, she's crafty.
0: <laughs> well, and and think about like. So in the game at Utah, their third game of the fall series, it happened in the first half, and ultimately was decided that it wasn't a goal. But almost the same play in the in the second half, where sure it looks like an easy tap in, but that was all about positioning.
1: Oh yeah,
0: right. You know, timing, positioning, communicating with your teammates. Um, and we looked at every single possible angle of that goal in in the first half, and only one of the six angles looked like it could have been in, right? So on our broadcast, on the Twitch broadcast, we were saying, it's like, well, we understand how the ref said no goal, right? I I heard that on the CBS broadcast that Lori Lindsay was like, that should have been a goal. Um, So it was kind of funny in the second half. It's like, it's almost a mirror image of that play, right? And easy tap in and yeah, no question on, on that one, but she makes it look easy even when we know it's something that that's not easy, but let's talk about Lindsay Horan, because like I mentioned with those two assists, I, you know, I like, really like how she's been combining with Sinclair.
1: Yeah. Horan. It's a really interesting subject because I mean, you know, everybody remembers 2017 Horan, you know, really kind of dragging the team uh, into contention throughout that whole year. MVP winner, of course, scoring, you know, A ton of goals a ton of incredible goals she's changed her game a lot since that year i think part of the the thing that's allowed her to do that is this formational shift that we were talking about earlier uh because the position that she's playing right now she's like kind of playing as like a a a winger on both sides of the field she's You know, she still drops super deep to, to receive the ball and initiate attacks. But in the attacking phase, you know, she'll kind of probe out weaknesses in opposing defenses, shift sides of the field, depending on where she feels like the weakness is happening. And she's, you know, the way that she combined on that uh, first Sinclair goal against Utah, that almost reminded me of Tobin Heath's uh, combinations with uh, Megan Klingenberg, you know, that kind of pinned against the sideline. Let's make something happen to unlock the, the defense and, and spring somebody free. That's something that is, is I think a, a new development in her game and, and watching her kind of become this, you know uh, essentially all around playmaker. It's been really exciting. I have to say um, I'm really interested to see what consequences is going to have for national team selection, because those midfield spots are so competitive Um But, I mean, just it's exciting enough for the Thorns, you know, to see this whole brand new side of her game kind of unlock this year.
0: And I'm sure, you know, in the back of her head, she's thinking about you know, that final in Lyon and not mm-hmm. not getting to play, right? Um, you know, Mark Parsons talked about last fall how hard it was mentally for so many of his players who played in the World Cup, you know, Haran not being able to play in the final, you know, Sinclair upset that Canada went out early, you know, the Australians feeling that they, you know, should have played better, you know, just like all, dealing all of that. So it's, it's like, okay, turning the corner on that and, and taking it to the positive way of like what, you know, what can I do to make it different next time around, right? Like, go back to the drawing board and and, and make things better. And I, that's been so wonderful to watch with Horan, especially when we've been so starved of of national team action, right? Like, it's, it's yeah. crazy to think that if this hadn't been the year that it was, we would have already seen an Olympics, a lot of friendlies, you know... Um, the, the whole like who makes the roster, you know, who makes the 18, you know, we would have seen some really tough cuts and it's like, it just, you know, none of that happens. So now we have a national team camp coming up, sticking with, of course, domestic players. Um, so, you know, no Tobin Heath, of course, but Christine Sinclair, um, Sophia Smith, I think are those the only poor okay. Yeah. Franch isn't on the list because, uh, Cause she's still, she's still injured. Oh, and Uh, Becky Sauerbrunn. Of course. Of course, How could I forget Becky Sauerbrunn? So I don't know any surprises on, on that roster. I mean, I based on Smith getting the call for the December ID camp. And also I think she was with the team in January.
1: I mean, this totally makes sense to me that she would be on this list. Yeah. It's exciting that, uh, that she's in the team again. I I would love to see her get some minutes on the field. Um, I know she's going to make the most of it. She always does. Um, yeah, I just uh, it'll be interesting to see because uh, a couple of people with uh, some big names out of the country may get an opportunity to demonstrate their ability and how they fit in with the team, and uh, so you know potentially uh, potentially an impactful camp for a lot of players.
0: Yeah, and I like that you know they're able to give that opportunity to players like you know Kaylia Watt, Christy Mewis, Sarah Gordon. You know, Shea Groom, um, Ashley Sanchez, Bethany Balser, because, you know, it it makes no sense whatsoever to to call in uh, foreign players. And even FIFA allowed uh, FIFA told clubs because of COVID that they would not be required to release players, um, you know, for for this upcoming FIFA window. Um, and so it doesn't make sense with, you know, Sam Mewis and Rose Lavelle and, and all of those over in FAWSL. It's like, they're probably just getting settled. It's like, why would you make them travel back co- quarantine, go through all of that? You know, like doesn't make sense. So here's a great domestic camp. So you've got a good blend of experienced players, um, younger players, and also players who have, you know, have been in camp before, have been capped before, you know, right? Like Christy Mewis and Kaylee Watt. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, get it, getting getting a, a fresh opportunity, and then uh, you know, I, I'm hearing we'll probably see another camp, but one maybe European based. You know, it, in December, so that you get the get those other players in. Um, well, any last thoughts on on Portland?
1: Oh man, Whether I mean, it's, it's been series or, or in general it's been an exciting fall series for Portland. Uh, you know, this is always going to be uh, a tough year, uh, of transitioning into kind of a new supporting cast for the club. And in a way it's been a blessing that they've had the opportunity to, uh, to try out new things and to, to more slowly integrate some of their players, uh, into their system. And I'm sure they're, you know, they're, they're taking this as seriously as they can. You know, they were disappointed only to get the draw away at Utah. So they're they're right. raring and ready to go. I have to say,
0: yeah, and and I love that the final game will be against you know, the, you know, the best rivalry, the Cascadia rivalry, um, but this time in in Tacoma. So I, I mean, that's and, and that's going to be the match really that determines whether or not thorns win the whole community shield
1: it's going to be a good one i can't wait well tyler thank you so much for
0: taking the time to chat and keep up the good work with rose city review thanks for having
1: me on always a pleasure
0: time for a little gentsplaining topic this week FIFA International Windows, what are they? When are they open? When are they closed? Basically, FIFA and the six confederations representing basically the whole world um, and FIFA Pro, which is the organization representing all professional soccer players, uh, together they put out uh, the official FIFA match calendar. And basically that calendar says, here are the windows throughout the year. When international games will be played, Uh, there's a women's calendar and a men's calendar, so that you know those those dates don't necessarily overlap. And within those windows, if a national team calls up one of their players, that club has to release the player. If a national team decides to play a game or have a camp that is not within a FIFA international window, the club does not have to release. That player. Uh, So think back maybe to victory tour after the 2019 Women's World Cup. US women played Ireland. The game was not in a FIFA window, so North Carolina Courage did not have to release Denise O'Sullivan to the Irish national team. Um, Of course, we saw all 23 of the Women's World Cup players that all play in NWSL back then um, go to that friendly. But that's what happens when you have uh, a league that's partially run by a national team. So the U.S. women's situation is kind of an exception. But in general, um, if a national team is doing something within a FIFA window and they call up a player, that player's club uh, has to release them. If it's not in the window, they don't. So what that means for the upcoming U.S. women's soccer Um, Camp. Uh, It is being held in a FIFA window. So technically, if Lacon and Osco wanted to, he could call in Sam Mewis, Tobin Heath, Kristen Press, Alex Morgan, Rose Lavelle from FAWSL. But a couple of things. Uh, With COVID going on, uh, you know, U.S. soccer decided it was probably best not to have those players who have just um, gotten settled over there travel all all the way back, go through quarantine, and then have to do that again on the other side. And with that in mind, FIFA actually uh, released or rather relaxed the restrictions for FIFA windows and said that due to travel constraints and COVID issues this fall for the October windows, clubs did not have to honor request to release players if they felt that it was um, something that would create risk. For their club. Uh, So, just something to keep in mind, um, especially moving forward into 2021. um, We already know what all the camp dates will be for US women's soccer. Um, Of course, most of them falling around FIFA dates, but not all of them. So, any players that are still with uh, an FAWSL club or anywhere else outside of NWSL may not be available for the entirety of those camps. All right. That's a lot on FIFA windows. If you're ever wondering what the dates are, if you Google like FIFA women's calendar, you should, you should find a lot of links to help you out. Jen Cooper, the keeper here with Pardeep Katry, a New York-based women's soccer reporter, who we're going to talk Sky Blue Pardeep. uh, It's been an interesting fall series for them. I mean, what do you think about their their three games so far?
2: You know, all I think about when I think about Sky Blue is the fact that they're missing a lot of different pieces between injury and a bunch of players who went overseas. It definitely it's it is what it is almost. Like I don't want to make too much of it, but you know, it hasn't been a perfect run of games. Though I like that
0: compared to the challenge cup or even a regular season where sometimes you have 3 games in 8 days, this has been a, a little bit more relaxed pace of no more than one game per week, right? Um, mm-hmm. So so at least everybody on your roster, even if your roster is a little bit smaller, um, you know, c- can rest. Um, and, and I like that a player like Jennifer Cujo has been able to get so many minutes, right? Like we saw her slowly incorporated into their lineup, um, you know, at, at the Challenge Cup, you know, also, you know, seeing some, you know, some rotation uh, of players in the back that we didn't see in the challenge cup. I mean, it was what Kawasumi Waldmo and I think Lewandowski, I think all three of them played every single minute for sky blue, you know, six games in the challenge cup. So, you know, I, I like that this kind of forces a little bit more rotation. So, you know, each, each club, they've, they've got different goals for for the fall series depending on what their roster looks like, how many people are on loan, how many people are healthy, you know, how many all-series, you know, special players um, you know that they've signed. Um but who is who has stood out for you in you know, in the three games so far for Sky Blue? I
2: think it's, the two players that really stick out to me are who you mentioned, Jen Cujo, who I think like this was a pretty transformative year for Sky Blue where it was supposed to be in, in terms of roster. And I remember a very long time ago before coronavirus pandemic shut down, we were all talking about the different changes they made. And Cujo was one that I think only happened with the Challenge Cup. And in the end, I think she was probably their best player at the tournament and is really, really an amazing find for them. She's somebody I enjoy watching a lot, and I'm glad that she's getting those minutes, like you talked about. But the other player, for particularly for the fall series, that I want to point out is Midge Purse because she's finally playing as a forward, and there was all <laughs> that to be at the beginning of the Challenge Cup when Sky Blue was struggling for goals, and Midge Purse was playing in defense. So. Again, I think I have to imagine that maybe Freya Kuhn prefers Midge Purse as a right back, but she's got very few options going forward and has to play her there. And I I think that probably Purse is, should be playing further forward more regularly, but those are the two players that stick out for me. Yeah,
0: nothing like having a shortage of players up front to, uh, you know, finally force a coach to put Mitch purse up, <laughs> up front. You know, Evelyn Vienne, you know, on loan to Paris FC. Naokaosumi Sumi out. Uh, Elizabeth Eddy out. Um, you know, they're they're both on loan as well. So yeah, and to see her combine uh, you know, with Mal Pugh in that first game, the one game that Mallory Pugh got to play for that, you know, the game winner and stoppage, that was gorgeous. Right? And I think Absolutely. everybody watching was, was like, yes. <laughs> this this that was- it's what such we've been a big moment. for. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, Onamonu, I love that two games in a row, she gets the first goal, an early goal. Um, I felt she was dangerous up front, you know, throughout. The, the challenge cup and just, you know, didn't have the luck to finish on her own. She did have an assist. Um, so that was great that it's like, boom, she starts off the, the challenge cup with, with a goal um, at Washington and then boom, the next week she starts off with a goal quickly at Chicago. Of course they, you know, they then gave up four unanswered goals, but like, I, I think that somehow, so Sometimes she's getting overlooked because, you know, we've seen Midge Purse get called up to the national team. She just got another call up to the national team. You know, she was a bigger name in, in, in all of the offseason moves by Sky Blue because, yeah, she had eight goals for Portland last year. But I, to me, I think Onomono is going to be just as potent for Sky Blue's attack uh, as Purse will be.
2: Yeah, agreed. She, to me, is one of the other players that I think has really been quite impactful for this new look sky blue in 2020. I almost said 2019. I don't know what year it is anymore. But uh, yeah, so those are the three players that I think have really shown what a new look sky blue could be in a year that I think you're mostly right off for a lot of reasons.
0: Right, but we don't want to write it off completely. Like I, I've, you know, some people said, "Oh, this year doesn't mean anything." I've, I've seen some people say, "Oh, we'll have an asterisk by it." And uh, my attitude is more like, "It is what it is." You know, we all know these clubs and these players. Nobody goes into these games with it doesn't matter, right? right. Like they might not have the same meaning as you know, a full blown twenty four game season followed by, by playoffs, but you know we know how seriously these 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 players take it um i was also really excited to see mandy freeman get her first start in basically 2 years after missing all of 2019 you know she was on the roster for challenge cup but i guess you know wasn't ready um fitness wise perhaps um to play or they were just being cautious uh but but tell me about her return
2: yeah, right. I mean, there's there are probably less gains to take from 2020, but honestly, having someone like Mandy Freeman back, thats it's great for starters just to see that she couldn't make a full recovery from a very long injury. If, just to be completely honest, totally sucks. <laughs> <But, laughs> right, but it's so for starters... In her returning gives them depth at center back, which they clearly didn't have last year. I mean, they barely had depth anywhere last year. But she gives them that. But I also thought for someone who's playing her first matches in more than a year, she was pretty solid. I think the defensive performances outside of that stretch of like first half minutes against Chicago where they scored, or where they conceded the Regals, I believe. The defensive performances have been pretty fine, but Mandy Freeman coming back and seeing that Frey whom has, has embraced her, obviously she wasn't a player that she had worked with previously is good to see for all parties.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean having having options in the back is key. You know, especially like I mentioned that you know, some of the defenders played every single minute of, of the challenge cup. And, and, and that can be a big ass sometimes. And, you know, I, I think it, it it's important to note in that Chicago game where they gave up some goals, they didn't start Estelle Johnson. And I, I think she is such a key piece to that back line. You know, she came in later as a sub, but, you know, to me, she, she's a core piece of, of how sky blue, you know, had some really good defensive performances in the cup. I mean, the only game where they gave up a lot in Challenge Cup was the game where she went out injured pretty early.
2: hmm Yeah. And that was you know. my takeaway from last year as well, that Estelle Johnson was a massive upgrade in the back and helped them. Look, like obviously, they were still... They, they obviously didn't make the playoffs last year, so they finished close to bottom, but they were much better than the year before, and I think she had a huge role to play in that.
0: Oh, just just if you look at uh, goals allowed, uh, you know, twenty nineteen to twenty eighteen, huge, huge difference. Yeah, you absolutely. know. Well, and of course, you know, looking at the players who are injured for Sky Blue, you know, you'll have when they come back, you know, and it's weird to say, but it, this is if there's any year to be injured, this is the year to be injured, right? Well, you know, you get Caprice Didasco back, Carly Lloyd back, McCall Zerboni back, which I think is going to be key, partnering with Jen Cujo, um, you know, Kenny Wright, uh, Mal Pugh. You know, that is a stronger deeper sky blue roster than than i think we've seen in a long time and of course having the players on loan all of these loans there's there's four players on loan and all of them end um you know at the end of 2020 you know i i would think sky blue's got to got to be you know, looking past this weekend's game to 2021, like, yeah, it's going to get good.
2: (laughs) Right. I mean, it goes back to the conversations we were having about Onomonu and Purse. I think the big takeaway from 2020 is that they've laid the foundational work for what could be a great 2021. Hopefully, you know, the pandemic isn't canceling too many games. Right. uh, right between the players that are here and have done well in the fall series and also during the Challenge Cup, but the players that didn't get a chance to play and the players who are going and getting minutes elsewhere. It's, we always. I think a lot of us thought that Sky Blue was going to be exciting to see in 2020, and obviously we have a much smaller sample size than we thought we would have, but I think we're just postponing that excitement and curiosity for 2021.
0: <laughs> we're, we're we're building up the anticipation. That's it. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And then, of course, you know, we, we have to mention Sarah Waldmo and Imani and Dorsey as, you know, key pieces of this squad who have just, you know, like they don't always get the attention, right? But they're like, you know... Doing the Very the work reliable. day in day out, yeah, so so reliable. I mean, Waldmo's, you know, was the first player uh, in Sky Blue's history to play more than a hundred times for the club. Right, longtime captain. Um, yeah, and, and when we talked to Freya Coom to prep for broadcast last week, she had such a great description of her. Uh, you know, saying it's like no, she doesn't get attention because when she strips you of the ball, it's it's so subtle. It's like. It's like she's a silent assassin. <laughs> I th- I thought I, th- I thought that was such a great <laughs> great phrase. Yeah. So what do, what do you expect to see from Sky Blue this weekend? So they have their final game of the fall series. Uh, they will be hosting Chicago, playing at, at Montclair State. So so what do you think is going to happen? Because Jennifer Cujo, strangely enough, is ineligible for this game because she earned a yellow in her last two games and we won't get into the silliness of yellow (laughs) card suspension in a four game series, but bottom line, sky blue can't play her.
2: So that's a really interesting wrinkle. I, but generally what I'm thinking about, I remember after the last Chicago game, Freya Coombe talked about how for her, she wanted to rotate players and give a lot of them meaningful playing time during this fall series. So I have to imagine that will come into play anyway. Um, But, you know, I think they'll probably want to shore up that defense, (laughs) not just considering the last result against Chicago, but that I think is a pretty important part for them. And I think over the course of 2020, and that includes the challenge cup at times, they've struggled a little bit going forward and, I don't know how well they'll do without Cujo. So as much as I think that should be a priority for them, they're kind of hamstrung in that department. So, you know, I guess we'll see how that goes. But that is my concern going into (laughs) (laughs) that. I like that. I guess we'll see how that goes. (laughs) I mean, we will
0: see. (laughs) Well, and what's interesting, it's hard to believe, but hey, when you're only playing four games, this is this is what can happen. Uh, they could still end up in the top three. They could sneak into the third position, basically, um, if they win and a few other things happen and tiebreakers fall their way. Um, I had to... Of course, for the broadcast, do all the permutations, uh, you know, for this weekend. Because you know, Portland wins, they've locked up the shield. Houston wins, and Portland doesn't win, then they've locked up the shield. But uh, third place is all over the place, and we might not even know until next weekend, uh, you know, to to finish all the tiebreakers. But I like that at this point, eight of the nine teams. Are still in contention for at least finishing third, so it's only Utah that's got no shot um, at at getting up into the into the top three. So, you know, pretty exciting for Sky Blue. Um, You would. Any last thoughts?
2: (laughs) Any last thoughts on on Sky Blue?
0: Well, twenty twenty or twenty twenty one.
2: First, I want okay. to ask you what the most chaotic scenario would be going into <laughs> deciding the top since you did all the permutations. If you have that on hand, <laughs> not to put you, not to put too much for Oh, on. I have,
0: let's see, I have I'm scrolling
2: through. Or is every scenario chaos?
0: Well, what, what I did, I just did the 27 outcomes for this weekend. Only 27.
2: Um,
0: only 27, yeah. Because if I go past that, then it really gets you into insanity. <laughs> so I do have okay, this is the fun one. Sky blue win, rain win, Orlando win, you have seven teams in contention for the top three spots with five teams uh potentially on seven points and two teams potentially on six points. So that means like we won't know until the final weekend, you know, because because there's there's still two games to play next weekend, so that's like, yeah. So that's where like Sky Blue could be sitting on six, and they'll just have to wait to see who ends up with seven and who doesn't. You know. Well, I know what I'm rooting for now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, yeah. Let me let me see what what other ones I have for them. Yeah. Similarly, if you have. Um, if rain in Portland tie and Orlando and sky blue win, you know, they're in contention for second and third, but yeah, they'll regardless sky blue for to have a chance if they have to win and they will have to wait to the following weekend uh, to see, but they, they, yeah, they need Orlando to win um, to give them a shot. So yeah, maybe, maybe I should publish these or maybe not. Maybe I should say, join my (laughs) secret club. For a hundred dollars, and you can see my my twenty seven permutations. But yeah, yeah, this is what I do on plane. This this is what I do on the plane to Florida as I'm prepping for a game. But anyway, but last thoughts. Last any last
1: plane?
2: thoughts. <laughs> any last thoughts on on Sky Blue? I don't know. I guess I'm being optimistic. I I'm thinking that this has been a decent 2020 for them. If this is all we have left from them and other NWSL teams, and they're. I think they're on the right path to becoming a team that, sure, is now free of drama off the pitch, but we can take pretty seriously on it too. I
0: think I think that sums it up pretty well. Well, thanks, Party, for talking Sky Blue FC, and you know, keep putting out some good coverage of the team. We we'll always need more women's soccer coverage
2: appreciate it
0: all right time to wrap it up with the back four first and foremost just a handful of NWSL fall series games left Uh, if this is coming out on Friday the 9th we've got Houston at Orlando tonight Sky Blue hosting Chicago and Rain hosting Portland on Saturday. And then just two games the following Saturday, wrapping it up with Orlando hosting North Carolina and OL Rain hosting Utah. That'll be it for the fall series. This weekend, if the Portland Thorns win, as I mentioned in the chat with Tyler, they take the community shield. If they... High or lose, and Houston wins. It looks like it will be Houston. There could be some tiebreakers coming into play. If neither of those teams win, we might not know till till the final weekend how the standings fall out. And keep in mind that first, second, and third place in the standings each get a monetary award to give to their selected community partner. And, of course, we finally got a roster for the next U.S. Women's National Team camp. It's hard to believe that uh, U.S. players have not been together since their She Believes game on March 11th, right before everything started shutting down. Um, But they will have 27 players reporting to camp after the fall series. Uh, They're doing that in Denver And, of course, everybody is being tested before they travel. After they travel, every two days, everything will be contained within one environment. And, of course, they're not playing any games with this. Uh, You're not going to be flying any international teams over at this time. But it will be a good opportunity for players, uh, especially ones who aren't regulars on the national teams or who haven't even been capped, to get some time with uh, Coach Vlad gononovsky and of course, if you haven't already checked out my website, keepernotes.com, you definitely want to be clicking on WoSo Nerd Link so you can see the Google sheet of Cell rosters by club or all time US national, well, not all time, but Going all the way back to spring 2015, I have all U.S. women's national team call-ups, got goal-scoring history on the international side for Sinclair, Ham, Wombach, lots of other fun links, so definitely check that out. And last thing, my almanac, as soon as the fall series is over, I will start working on the next edition of the Keeper Notes Cell Almanac, the current edition, which goes all the way through the 2019 season, is currently available for sale. You can get the print version, the PDF version, or both. I also have a Dash-specific almanac for sale, um, and we'll start working on some for other clubs. So if there's a particular club that you think you need an almanac for ASAP, send me an email at keeper@keepernotes.com. All right, that's it for this episode of the Mix Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. Got to give a shout out to everyone who's been listening, anyone who tweets about uh, Mix Zone or posts on Reddit saying, this is a podcast you want to listen to. I really appreciate that. Please subscribe, post a review. Um, Send me feedback at KeeperNotes.com Also want to give a shout out to Icarus FC for their sponsorship If you're tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas And you're looking for a completely custom kit for your adult rec team Check out IcarusFC.com And more than anyone, I want to thank Sean, my producer For putting this all together almost every week, year round Much appreciated But now she's
1: anybody's girl Yeah